All right. We're in a little scream. Oh, I do have chapstick in here. Nice. I have chapstick in my pocket too. I need some. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Take a Keller to Brunch. I am one of your co-hosts, Darcy. And I am the other co-host, Shannon. And we are a All Things True Crime and Spooky podcast. So if you're new here, welcome. We are very excited to have you. And if you're a returning guest or patient, shall we say, uh, we're super happy to have you. And if you want us to give you a shout out, just let us know down below or in a DM or an email, whatever. Pigeon, I don't know. Do your thing. Uh, Ouija board, maybe. Mm. Don't really use Ouija boards. No, that's bad juju. Bad juju. Portals. You open doorways you're not supposed to open. Be smart, you guys. Mm -hmm. We have to think of a catchy phrase for that. Be smart, don't Ouija. I don't know. We'll (laughs) we'll think of something. Like a don't do drugs, right? Like we'll have to- Don't do Ouija. Don't do Ouija. Ouija's not worth it. (laughs) The Ouija's not worth a wedgie. I don't know. We'll have to figure something (laughs) okay if they were just bullies, ironically kind of wedgy right now mainly these shorts that i'm wearing yeah i mean it's like if they were bullies that'd be great but i don't they're not bullies they're just like demons i want to take your soul it's fine yeah you think you're summoning grandma but you're not you're not it's never grandma never but you're just giving them a reason so they're gonna pretend grandma's enjoying her life wherever she's at now so you know i realize demons are just narcissistic partners <laughs> they never start out how they end up they start off as nana and then they turn into fucking Beelzebub by the end of it. Yeah. Yeah, I feel and that. You decide your exit. You gotta find your exit, right? That's all I'm saying. Okay, so. Yeah, my exit handed to me and I, I took it. Right. Yeah. Get straight up mailed to you. <laughs> Play stupid games, win stupid Two prizes. If you're still listening, how do you feel? <laughs> I wonder. Hardcore wonder. I do a little bit. Mainly because it's like they can't say anything. Because hmm. then that admits that they listen. I mean, the reality is, is like me nowadays is a very different person from me like a year ago. And it's staggeringly different. It's impressive. Yeah. Like I want to do like a, a year recap, like a, a whole year recap of everything, like the whole process. Like just people even telling me, like, wow exactly yeah exactly because think about it first of all that'd be great because first of all there are going to be people that that's going to touch them in a way that they need it mm-hmm. right and also it's like it's going to be an eye-opener for you like your life can change in a day like let alone like what can happen in a year and it's like yeah shannon a year ago would be shooketh <laughs> yeah right absolutely like it's just it's so crazy because like you think oh a year is not that long it really isn't but like, it really if, is. I were to, if I were to look at myself today, a year ago, like where I was, oh my God. Well, so I was telling John, I was like, my Facebook memories from a year ago, like on, like on Saturday or I'm sorry, like Sunday, mm-hmm. my memory on Facebook from a year ago, I had just flown back from Toronto to pack up our apartment. Like I, like we didn't move out of our apartment until August 8th of last year and today is literally the eighth and that that feels like fucking two years ago yeah it seems so long ago right like we had our apartment a year ago what i'm sorry no yeah like i'm like they've been gone for like years and it's like no we actually haven't no i feel like i feel like the biggest thing for me is like i feel like i haven't had my house in like years and it's only been what eight months yeah hasn't even been a whole year yet yeah so it's crazy crazy to think so I definitely think you should do a recap at, at your, your mark. I will. I will. I'll try. You got to help me with my whole social media thing. You know me in social media. I will. If it's not just a simple picture, it ain't happening. <laughs> well, I'm happy to help. <laughs> okay. So with all that said, I have a um, an iconic case. So I have a whodunit for you. Mm. So I'll get your opinions at the end. Okay. Okay. Um. I will say this. So Shannon has always been like, don't look at my notes. Don't look at my notes. So if you noticed in my last episode, she was doing a lot of looking at my motherfucking notes. So I have, I have my notes hideth away <laughs> for suspense. So, um, well, I opened them up too. So oops. Do you know what I'm covering? Maybe. Ugh, it's fine. But it's, I mean, it's, it's fine. It's, it's everyone knows it. 
yeah and like the first time we we're like going over it so and i feel like that's kind of cool is that like like you do a lot of like the more like well-known ones like mine are just fucking random yeah that people are like who's this what yeah so i like that like you cover like some of the ones that were like we know but there's a lot we don't know mm-hmm. so tell me what i don't know yeah okay so this is trigger warning there is a lot of graphic material on the mutilation of of corpse so just keep that in mind. It's not only the corpse, it's there's talk about torture up until then. So if torture and like bodily mutilation is totally not your vibe, we have links to other like lore and mystery and true crime in our videos that you can watch. So like you'd only have to listen to this one. But we are covering the case of the Black Dahlia. Oh, I thought this was a different one. So yeah, this is no. a surprise to me. No, it's the Black Dahlia or aka her real name, Elizabeth Short. So when it comes to the Black Dahlia, what what do you know? What do you remember? What do you think about? Because it's a very iconic American case. So the only thing that I think of is the house itself that it occurred at. Like the Black Dahlia murder. Okay. Like the house involved. Because like I know it's like iconic in like California. It is in California. <laughs> And um, so I, I, that's the only thing I can like think of in my head. I, I've definitely like at some point in my life seen like a documentary or like an episode on it or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those that I know like people really, really dig into. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, to be honest, I haven't really, but it has to be good. I know that because there's so many people that truly, I don't know, not like necessarily fantasize about it, but it's like investigate, have their own opinions and it is still so unsolved. Mm-hmm. yeah it is super unsolved and it's interesting too because like i always remember the house as well like i'm like oh i know the image in my head is like the one half of her body right, right. the crazy thing is like where her body was found was in a neighborhood but it was actually in a lot it was in like a construction lot yeah so it's like i like i remember her being like in a bush like in front of the house and i'm like that wasn't in front that of the house why like i always picture like a house great it's not a house it's a fucking building but it's like it's in a neighborhood that was being basically constructed. I wouldn't say gentrified because this was also in the 40s. Yeah. But it was being it, it was in a construction area. So I think there was probably houses in the background. Sorry, I'm trying to get my wedgie, you guys. It's these shorts. You're in denim shorts. It's fine. Okay. So we're going to cover the case of Elizabeth Shorts. We're going to talk about her up until the point of her murder. And then we're also going to talk about the suspects. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about theories. And then we'll talk about thoughts at the end. Um, because this was similar to the case you just did. It blew up in the media. Yeah. And there was trial by media, right? So people just want justice. And we, if you don't know what we're talking about, we'll put like a, a link up here so you can go see um, the episode that she just did. Because um, we talk a lot about like, how can you really have a fair trial by media and all that fun stuff? Right. So Elizabeth Short. So she was a Leo, which is why we're covering this case. Um, and she was also the year of the rap for our Chinese Zodiac fans out there. She was born in Boston, Massachusetts on July 29th, 1924. Um, but she was only 22 years old when she was murdered. So she was in the prime of her life and she was taken from everybody so soon. So a little bit about her childhood. Um, she was the third of five children. So she was literally the middle child. So she was perfect. <laughs> um, obviously. Um, her parents were Phoebe and uh, Cleo Short. Um, her father, Cleo, he built miniature golf courses um, as his job, which is that's so fun. Right? Like, what a cool fucking job. Right? Very cool, like, names as parents. You know, Phoebe and Cleo. They have Elizabeth. (laughs) Yeah, and then they have Elizabeth. Um, And the star of my sister. (laughs) I totally forget her name is Elizabeth. Yeah, because we always call her Beth. That's so, oh man, I forget that Uh from time to time. Like my cousin's name is Elizabeth. We call her Lizzie. But it's like, I know her name was Elizabeth, but that's because I grew up with her. Yeah, apparently my dad didn't like the name Lizzie. So he's like, no, she's not going to be a Lizzie. He, is it, why? Because Lizzie Borden? I don't know. Like, he just did not like the name Lizzie or Liz. So he's like, he told my mom, like, don't nickname her that. So it was Beth. My sister's sister-in-law is also named Elizabeth. And her nickname is Liz. And there's so many Liz's in my life now that I didn't really, like, clock. Anyway, now you have a, you remember, you have a Beth now. I have a Beth now. Okay. But now we have Elizabeth. The Black Dahlia. So um, up until 1929, when the stock market crashed and sent America into like its worst 
depression ever in history. Uh, her dad built miniature golf courses, but you can imagine that really wasn't a huge necessity when the stock market crashed. Um, and then he lost all of his life savings because of that market crash, which many Americans did. That was something that very much happened. So in 1930, um, her father's car would be found abandoned at the Charleston Bridge or the Charlestown, not Charleston, the Charlestown Bridge. Um, under the assumption that he jumped to his death um, into the Charles River. So he's gone. Phoebe is now left with five children in the middle of the Depression at the, the beginning of the, the Great Depression. So she took a job as a bookkeeper um, to provide for her and her children. So she did what she had to do. So we love Phoebe, by the way. Okay. We love Phoebe. Everyone loves Phoebe. Come on. Yeah. Um, so when Elizabeth was five years old, I'm sorry, not five, when she was 15, she had to have a lung surgery because she was being plagued with not only bronchitis, but severe asthma. So we have to remember this is also like the 1940s at this point, right? That's intense. That is intense. Um, so upon doctor's advice, um, her mother sends her to Miami, Florida in hopes the milder climate would actually help prevent further respiratory complications, um, which... You know, if you kind of know about bronchitis and consumption and shit like that back in the day, it's like put people in higher elevations or take them to like away from super harsh environments like Boston mm -hmm. to kind of help their lungs and help them breathe. And so that was her, that was what she did is she sent her child to Miami, Florida. Um, That's how like my family ended up here. Huh? That's how my family ended up here. No shit. Who, had, who, who was dying? Um, it was my mother's, so Nana's father. Okay, so your mom's granddad. Yeah. Yeah, so Nana's dad. Um, Because, you know, they're from Tennessee. We love Nana. So, the, you know, born and raised in Tennessee and growing up there, um, it was the humidity. So they, they yep. figured, okay, get away from humidity. So go to a dry heat, go to the desert. Well, that didn't fucking help because we have fucking dust. You know, little do they know, like you're 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 trading humidity for dirt and dust. Mm-hmm. Didn't bode well, but you know they tried. They did try. And how was that? That's how I'm here. So, but we're happy that you are here because I never would have met you. Yes. Um, which fun fact too, if you move to Arizona, is actually known that um you can actually develop allergies if you've never had allergies before. You can move here and develop them at any point in time. Mm -hmm. Like there was this doctor that told me there's been a couple that lived here for like. 60 years and it wasn't until like within the last year that her husband developed allergies yeah and i'm like fuck that <laughs> well, i bought my flonase today got some flonase she's got her drugs on deck okay so <laughs> elizabeth has a lot of respiratory issues so every winter for the next three years she goes to stay with family friends in miami to kind of help with all that right um oh god she would Oh, but she also didn't spend very long in school. Again, this is the 1940s, so keep that in mind. Um, she would drop out during high school and her sophomore year. So she leaves school. She doesn't stay for very long, um, which, eh, whatever. It's the 1940s for a girl to be in school. Um, no one's clutching their pearls at that instance. So now we're going to jump ahead to 1942 when Elizabeth is 18 years old. Right. So she's 18 years old and she decides to relocate to California. Do you know why she goes to California? Because it's California. No, I'll tell you why she goes to California. So her Phoebe, her mom, receives a letter in the mail. And this letter is telling Phoebe, it's, it's an apology letter. And it's like, I am so sorry for abandoning you. Oh. And the children. So she thinks it's her dad. That's exactly who sent it. Oh, don't, don't. <laughs> so dad's been alive this whole time so Clingo actually never fucking died he just staged his death which you could do in like the fucking 30s it's fine so what he actually did is he just decided to fucking leave and so he just up and leaves his wife and his children and he just goes to california to start a brand new life to work in a shipping yard in san francisco and he was doing great he was doing just fine and so then he's like, I feel bad. So let me just send a letter to my widowed wife, apologizing for being a shitty person and just being like, it was too hard. So it reminds me of like the, I said, let's start over. I don't know if it was somebody sent this to me. No, it wasn't you. I don't know who it was. Uh, my coworker. It's like, it's like men back in the day, they used to send letters via like 
pigeon back and all these things. And it's like, you know that video. Yes. And like, and like, yeah. and you can't text you back. Yeah. And during the war, during the war, he would send dear John, you know, they would send letters and to you and stuff. And, and this man nowadays can't send a text. He, he can't send a text. He can't take two seconds to, to text you back. The bar is so low. Yeah, it's like the bar is so fucking low. I can glide over it. Yes. yes. <laughs> that video is so great. Okay, anyways, continue. So Cleo sends this pathetic letter. I'm like, first of all, that's ballsy, but like, wow. And why now? That's what I'm saying. Like, he's just because it, you know, he's a man. So what happens is so obviously Phoebe like tells her children, which is like, think about that. Like they mourned the suicide of their dad like yeah. the man who was providing for them he just they thought he was dead because of everything so there was probably a lot of guilt in that family yeah. there was probably a lot of like sorrow and shame during a fucking depression like then she has to go find work and they're probably struggling just to like survive like yeah, everybody he... else yeah and he's just fucking san francisco bay just like like the audacity of a hoe don't tell me he like had like a new family and everything too did he definitely had a new wife that's for sure oh of course Mm -hmm. so it was just for work though you know he just left for work he was gonna totally he was gonna come back yeah he was gonna send that money for sure with that milk sorry so elizabeth now knowing this she decides to take this opportunity to go to california so in december she leaves um and she moves to vallejo california to live with her very much alive father who she hasn't seen since she was six so it's been 12 years since she saw her dear old daddy and so she moves in with him and his new wife in fucking california awkward I, I know, right? Um, so I have a note here, this is a side note, and I I needed to read this. It's like, I feel like Phoebe needs her own movie. We need to know oh, the life of Phoebe, okay? So not only do we need to know about her life, um, but this is, and like, imagine being her and the children learning that your husband and father is very much not only dead, but then very much alive 12 years later, right? And not only that, he's living it up and living this brand new life in the other side of the fucking country um, for the past, like, 12 years. Like, personally, I'd be fucking pissed. I'd be furious if I was her. Mm -hmm. So, like, Phoebe Phoebe needs justice. Like, Phoebe needs her story told. Yeah, and not only that, but she, like, needs, like, one of them, like, hardcore. Yeah. So, I, I, I think, you know... We need a movie about Phoebe. I feel like Lifetime could do that pretty good. <laughs> um, so, of course, Elizabeth probably felt my sentiments because she didn't live very long with her dad. She would eventually move out um, because they fought all the time and they argued all the time. Why, you ask? Let me tell you. Because she had dreams to become an actress. So I think that's really why she moved to California and because now that her dad was out there, she had a place to move to, a place to stay, a place to start. The opportunity, yeah. Correct. So she takes that opportunity. She moves in with her dad and she's basically living like rent-free there. Um, But he doesn't like that. You know, this is child. But that's the fucking least he could do. I mean, my thing's like, dude, you have no say in her life. No. And that's the least he could do after fucking abandoning her. Right. He thinks that she should just get married to a band with money and like have children because being an actress is basically like we're straying away from God's light. No barf. I know, right? Like, okay, calm down. I'm like, he who cast the first stone needs to sit the fuck down because homie, pretty sure you shouldn't have like left your wife thinking that you fucking killed yourself. Like mm. that's very un un ungodly Christian-y of you. It's not a cute look. No. It's not a cute look. You know? The audacity. At least God told his dad, no, I'm just kidding. Don't fucking kill your kid. At least he stopped him. He's like, just kidding, JK. I just want to see if you would do it, pussy. <laughs> okay, so they are getting along very well. So she fucking moves out because she's like, fuck you, dad. And um, rightfully so. Um, so she wanted to be this actress. Um, and as we know, that would not end up happening. She was brutally murdered. Um, so after she leaves her father's place, she took up a job as, um, she took a job at base exchange at Camp Cook, which is a military base. And 
I think she was like a waitress or something, but she lived with one of the sergeants at the Vandenberg Air Force Base. Mm, yeah, get that military cut. Yeah, the problem is he would beat her. Oh. So she was in an abusive relationship. Never mind, JK. This person. Yeah. So not only was she living with this person, she was being abused by this person. And, you know, to her, her she was eventually like, fuck that. And so she just kind of like left um, <clears throat> and not to come back. So good for fucking her. Mm-hmm. Um, for a short time after that, um, in the middle of 1943, she moved to Santa Barbara. And um, on September 23rd, she's actually arrested for underage drinking, which I find hilarious, being that it's the 1940s and she's they actually enforced underage drinking. Um, <laughs> to the point that they like basically extradited her like back home. <laughs> wow. I think it's because she was a girl. She was being flamboyant. But wasn't the the age of drinking like 18 still? I have no idea. I don't know if that was it. Was it like different per state? I wonder if that changed after prohibition. No, because like I feel like my mom definitely said that like at some point. Wasn't she? I feel like my mom. But that probably was with 18. Yeah. That varied from state to state. Yeah, maybe it wasn't like a universal thing yet. <laughs> and I don't think... Because, um, yeah, I'm like 99% positive my mom was like... Pretty wild. I don't know. The short of the long is she got was underage drinking. So maybe in California it wasn't 18 yet. Um, at least not in 1943. So she gets arrested for underage drinking at a bar um, to the point where the courts flew her ass back to Massachusetts. <laughs> like they extradited her to Massachusetts for underage drinking, which would never happen now. No. They give you a ticket and then they're like, show up an hour away. And then you show up and they're like, oh, JK, we'll let you know if within the year I have a fucking ticket. Not that that happened to us or anything when we were younger. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, to be fair, there was a lot of... um now that I'm an adult, I was like, oh, there was a lot of weird sexual harassment that just happened in that whole scenario, but it's fine. Yeah, thank God for her dad, you know, who we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Being who he is, who I love. He's mm-hmm. great. And I love her. Yep. I lost my note. Okay, so here we are. But she didn't go to Massachusetts. She went to Florida instead. Um, and so while she was in Florida, she meets a decorated Army Air Force officer. Oh, we see her type. Let me see her type. She's got a type. She likes them in uniform. Mm, can't say I blame her. Let this be forewarning. <laughs> anyway, so she meets this guy, uh, this Army Air Force officer by the name of Major Matthew Michael Gordon Jr. Say that five times fast. Ooh. <laughs> Um, so according to friends, Elizabeth told them the major proposed marriage to her, um, while he was recovering after a plane crash. So he crashes in this plane, he's in recovery and he's like, I want to fucking marry you. Right. Because when you're dating someone, military relationships are like lesbian relationships. (laughs) If you're not engaged within six months, you're doing something wrong. (laughs) Tell me I'm wrong. Fucking tell me. Oh, yes. And the amount of people that I've known that have been in like military relationships and like they don't last long either. Nine out of 10 times, like they're not legit and they do it pretty much so that they can get more military benefits. And you know what's hilarious is like anyone, the people that are in the military that are proposing to their their spouse outside of the military, they're the ones that end up cheating. I also know people who are not in the military. They end up cheating on their military spouse. I'm not saying it's just that, but I'm just but, saying. And it's and it's like um, it's super it's super ironic. Someone in the military. It's like yeah, and it's not only that, but it's like it's always like right before like they deploy or whatever, you know. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Tom, 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 okay. Hmm. I know names, but I will not name names. Yes. One of them is a good friend of mine. And yeah. I will not name it. Yep. <laughs> so, so she's that's like, that's not my kind of uniform. So she's like, he wants to marry me. So he proposes marriage to her. She accepts this proposal. She's like, absolutely. I'll marry you. Only to face the fact that he died in his second plane crash on August 10th, 1945. So she doesn't even get to marry. Crashes a plane again? I know he was. Was he? Was he a pilot? I'm guessing he was. He was a major, so maybe. I mean, yeah, major's pretty good. So I mean, I mean, like, he couldn't fly a plane. Definitely not. Mm. 
pretty sure he was shot out of the sky. Because if you think about what was happening in 1945, yeah, I mean, 1945 was World War II, so super fun. Um, in 1946, Elizabeth went to visit an acquaintance in Los Angeles, so she goes to L.A., um, and she ended up spending the next six months in Southern California. So she goes to visit a friend. She's like, I'm going to stay here. So she just stays there for the next six months where she rented a room on Hollywood Boulevard behind the Florentine Gardens nightclub. And she worked there as a waitress. And that's basically what her last job was before she died. Um, so now we're going to talk about her disappearance. So on January 9th, 1947, Elizabeth um, is last seen by her boyfriend who was married. Solid start. So her married boyfriend, is how I worded it. <laughs> so her married boyfriend. Like, wait a minute. Time, yeah. His name was Robert Manley. Yes, that was his last name. And I also made this note. It is not Manly to she on your spouse. So. Mm. Also, Penny's being adorable right now. She's doing all the cute things that dogs do. Like she's when they like paw their face. She's like, and... stop recording and just pet me. Now she's like scratching her ear with her foot. Sniffing her toes. Licking herself, being all cute and shit. Mm-hmm. So. Her adorbs. Totes adorbs, babe. <laughs> the looks. I love her so much. <laughs> so Robert Manley drops Elizabeth off at the Biltmore Hotel in downtown Los Angeles because she was supposed to be meeting her sister, who was flying in from Boston that afternoon. Mm-hmm. So they planned to meet there. Um, hotel staff reported actually seeing her in the lobby using the phone and patrons 600 meters aka across the street um, at the local bar called the crown grill cocktail lounge also reported seeing her outside of the hotel mm-hmm. i know oh now she's being even more adorable oh get it penny oh look at her oh i know i know <laughs> oh is that your couch you like your couch I'll pin him. Oh, so cute. I love her so much. Um, and that's the last anyone heard from her. Anyone saw her? Her sister does show up to the hotel, but doesn't see her there. She's not there when she gets there, and so she's basically like left SOL. Mm-hmm. So no one sees her after that. Which is really interesting to me because I'm like, you have all these people saying that they saw her and they recognized her, but no one is able to say where she went, if she met someone, if she walked away. It's just she was seen at the hotel, but that was it. Her discovery, though, the discovery of um, Elizabeth would be on January 15th, so six days later. That's how I remember this. Because it's your birthday. <gasps> you remember? I would have hoped after like 10 years of <laughs> my best friend, so. It's all right. I do remember. <laughs> I didn't remember my sister's birthday sometimes, but that's fine. Not Jordan, Crystal. Because I would get her confused with June and July because her birthday's in July and I'd always think uh, of June and there was one year. I still remember to this day. I was like 15. I told her, happy birthday. And she's like, my birthday's next. She's like, thank you so much. But it's next month. And I was like, fuck. That's one of the ones you have to put in your phone. I also just like heavily rely on Facebook. Yours is just easy to remember. Um, I get really offended if people actually don't remember my birthday. <laughs> sure. but I don't know I told you my birthday. I'm like, it's not, I'm like, you literally don't have to remember it. Yeah. It's a holiday. My existence is a holiday. Yeah, actually, you're not even the only one that, like, I know that's born on that day, too. I know another person. I mean, I'm the best one, but yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm still like him a lot, though. He's a really nice guy. Yeah. I'm better. It was fun to push that. Yeah, twinsies. Okay. I'll to meet my twinnie. Yeah. Okay. So, January 15th, 1947, um, Betty Bursinger decides that she wants to go on a lovely walk with her three-year-old daughter um, around 10 a.m. So, she can do their morning walk. It's going to be fine. So, during their walk, Betty Betty notices what she thinks is a mannequin inside of this vacant lot. And she's like, oh, that's weird. Like a store mannequin, like whatever. Um, and she finds it really odd. So, she goes to inspect it closer. And that's when she realizes this wasn't a mannequin. It was a fucking dead body. Mm-hmm. And not only was it a dead body, it was a dead body that was severed in half. But, you know, she ran away before she kind of remembered that. So she runs to the closest house. That's why it was like in this neighborhood. And she calls the police. So Betty would be the one to actually discover Elizabeth's body in Limert Park in that neighborhood that was being renovated and all that kind of stuff um, six days after she went missing. Her body was found naked 
and bisected at the waist. You're going to be so proud of me. I have some technical terms or medical terms in here um, that I know the meanings too. So. <laughs> she was found naked and bisected at the waist. In other words, she was cut in half for those of you. She, if, if you don't know the Black Dahlia case, it's like her torso and her bottom limb like are separate. So she was cut in half and staged is, is how she's found. Um, her body was drained of all of its blood. The killer washed her body and wiped it down with gasoline, um, which I found very interesting as the choice of disinfectant and like to clean off fingerprints. Like evidence is gasoline of all things, but you know, I guess because like the potency of like what you, there's nothing like if you get gasoline, even like even if I'm sorry, even if it's like a speck on your fucking shoe, like when you're getting pumped, like you're pumping gas in your vehicle, you're gonna smell that for an hour. Yeah, that's true. So they wiped her down with gasoline. Um, and this comes into play later, so I just remember gasoline. Okay. Uh, the corners of her mouth, again, if you are familiar with the case, this is big. If you're not, be prepared. The corners of her mouth have actually been cut to her ears, um, also known as the Glasgow, the Glasgow smile. Um, sorry. I know. <laughs> um, there were slash marks all over her body, even sections where the skin had been sliced away. Um, the two portions of her body were staged, as I had mentioned, and they were a foot apart from one another. So her upper half was posed with her hands above her head at like a 90 degrees at her elbows. So kind of like this. And her lower half had her legs spread apart and her intestines were tucked neatly underneath her butt. If you can visualize that. Okay. Yeah. Um, and there was a deep cut from the top of her pubic hair to the top where her body was dissected. So just like, like a pair of jeans. They just like slit it. Like a zipper? Yeah. Think oh. about that. That's, that's the best way I can describe it. Um, and then there was a random triangle cut out in her thigh. Illuminati. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Look at Illuminati. They did it. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Aliens. <laughs> Aliens. I love that guy so much. Okay. Yes. So now we're going to talk about the investigation. So the LAPD issues an extensive investigation that would grow to include over 150 suspects over this entire investigation. Um, and as you could guess, being for, familiar of the Black Dahlia murder, and as I said at the top of the episode, it's a whodunit. Um, no culprit or arrests would actually come from this investigation. Literally, no one be arrested, no one be charged. Um, and during their search of the crime scene, they found a heel print, a tire traps, and a cement stack, a cement sack filled with watery blood nearby. So they found some stuff, but nothing they could actually use. So we're going to fast forward to January sixteenth, which is a week after her. Um, her disappearance, uh, Frederick Newbar performs the autopsy of Elizabeth's body, and he reports ligature marks around her wrists, neck, and ankles, and a, quote, irregular laceration with superficial tissue loss, end quote, on her right breast, which basically means that her breast was almost cut off completely. So if we're, if we're already, we haven't gotten to, like, the gory stuff yet, but if we're thinking about what we've heard so far, like, she was pretty much brutalized like her body's been tore apart literally mm -hmm. you know um so it doesn't get any better she also had superficial lacerations on her right forearm her upper left arm the lower side of her chest it was also noted that her knees were smashed with a smooth object probably a bat while she was still alive uh, so why would somebody ba bash someone's kneecaps in jen I don't know, but I hit my kneecap the other day on the counter and I thought I was going to cry. Well, if you've ever seen a human centipede that lives rent free in my brain, you destroy or remove somebody's kneecap because you don't want them to walk. Your kneecaps are there to hold your shit together so you can walk. And if you don't have this, they serve a purpose. Yeah. If it's destroyed or it's not like removed, an appendix, you know? Yeah. It's not living rent free. Um, you can't escape. So while she was alive, someone shattered both of her kneecaps. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, it was fucking pain. I thought it got like shot in the knee. Like it was perfect. It's like if there's a funny bone, but like your knee version, mm -hmm. that's what I hit. Yeah, it like cripples you. Yeah. And I was just like, 
it happened to me. I was like, <laughs> like the air comes out of you and just squeak. And I just sat there. Yeah. The Peter Griffin. To... Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's exactly me. Yeah. Yeah. That means that I got to be. Okay. Where was I? Where was I? We just talked about her baseball bat knees. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, her kneecaps got shattered. Yeah, and my my Peter Griffin episode. <laughs> That's right. So it was also noted um, that she had been tortured for days before being murdered. Um, and some of her organs had been removed after she died, and locks of her hair were shoved into her vagina. Ew. I know. I don't understand Ooh. that part. I know. I don't understand that part. But No, hair, okay, so that's one thing. Like, people always talk about, like, especially in healthcare, like, things that make them cringe. For whatever reason, it's, like, clumps of hair for me. So even, like, if I'm, like, like my own hair, like, I'm, like, my hairbrush, cleaning it. Interesting. Hair. Okay. Which, considering I have a shit ton of it, but it's like when it's in a clump, no. Um, her stomach contained fecal matter. And it's noted that she was probably forced to eat poop, essentially, before she died. Yeah, so they forced her to eat fecal matter. The human center died. Yeah. Yeah. And that hadn't even been made yet. I wonder if there was an inspiration here. Anyway, Ooh. I'm getting off topic. Um, he also noted that a hemicorporectomy, which literally means just cutting somebody in half, um, the just the distance the the body, right? Yeah, across. Yeah, like horizontally, not vertically, right? Uh, was performed after her death. Oh, good. Yeah, right. Thank God. Just due to the minimal bruising of the skin, um, at the incision line. So thankfully, she didn't have to be subjected to that while she was alive. Um, the cuts from the corners of her mouth to her ears were measured, and it was three inches on her right side and two and a half inches on her left side. Um, while her skull did not have any notable fractures, there was extensive um, damage and bruising on the front right side of her scalp uh, with a little bit of blood. So this be consistent with one or more blows to her head. And he also noted that her vaginal canal was dilated, which meant which might indicate that she was raped. Unfortunately, when tests came back, they were negative for any sperm. So Nubar ultimately ruled the cause of death was a hemorrhaging um, from lacerations to her face and shock from blows to her head and her face. So the moral is she died a very agonizing death, a painful death and humiliating death. Like it's, it's, it, she didn't deserve anything that happened to her. Mm -mm. Um, and unfortunately, we may never know who actually committed this crime. So since Elizabeth had been arrested four years prior, it actually turned out to be a good thing because when they fingerprinted the body, they were actually able to figure out who she was based off of her fingerprints um, because they sent her fingerprints through something called sound photo in the 1940s, uh, which was a device that transmitted images by telephone, which sounds kind of weird today, right? Like, oh, fascinating. I know, right? So transported images. I just think of like the Willy Wonka, like TV <laughs> when they minimize the people. Like that's how I think about yeah. it. Um, but they, that's how they were actually able to identify who she was. I mean, thank God she was such a rebel child, you know, and drinking. Right. Thank God for that. Right. So on January 21st, uh, 12 days after her, after her disappearance, James Richardson receives a phone call from someone claiming to be Elizabeth Keller. Who's James Richardson? He was a detective and investigator on the scene at the time. Um, and he congratulated him on his article. I'm sorry, he was, oh my God, he was an investigator. No, he was a journalist. Sorry. Um, I'll just edit that part out. James Richardson was a journalist and he receives a phone call from someone claiming to be Elizabeth Killer, congratulating him on his article that he should, quote unquote, expect some souvenirs of Beth Short in the mail. Oh, she was a Beth. Yeah, that's what he that's what he called her. Oh. Her name was Elizabeth. I mean, I, I didn't see anywhere where she had like a nickname, so who fucking knows? Um, he also said that he would eventually turn himself in, but he wanted the police to pursue him a little bit more. You know, 
neural chase. A, he actually never planned on turning himself in. Anytime people say shit like that, they actually never, they just want to talk to police to shit yeah. they can. They actually never plan on turning himself in. So, um, as promised, on January 24th, 15 days after her disappearance, a postal worker found suspicious packages addressed to the LA Examiner and to other LA papers. Um, they had cut and pasted letters from magazines and newspapers glued on them that read, and I quote, here is Dahlia's belongings, letter to follow, end quote. Okay. So inside of these packages was her birth certificate, her business cards, or business cards in general, not hers, um, photos, and a dress book with Mark Hansen's embossed, embossed, with Mark Hansen embossed on it. Um, so the married boyfriend, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and a piece of paper that just had like a list of names on it. So it was like a bunch of random shit that could be tied to her, and also her, like her birth certificate, which I'm like, how do you have a birth certificate? Right. Like, was she just was she carrying that on her? Right. So it's like that doesn't come up and anywhere else. But I was like, who would have, and how would you have that? at that time enough to be able to send it if it was real like we also remember like it's the 40s like yeah yeah it was it real and if it was and my only imagination is like maybe she was carrying it on her which is very dumb it's like when people carry their social security card in their fucking wallet like you guys are idiots i used to do that <clears throat> like you know how many times okay it hasn't been a lot but i've at least lost my wallet twice mm-hmm it is not easy to get your social security card back. Fuck no. So they want a million things. Your birth certificate being one of them. Yeah, which apparently Darcy's mom likes to lose, so. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's even harder to get that than to me. But, I mean, she gave me mine when I was 16. And said, oh, it was your sister's. Yeah, she's like, here, I might lose this. And then Jordan was going to college. And she's like, I need my social security card. Jordan's. Yeah. And she's like, I need my social security card. And I was like, oh, we lost it. And I'm like, okay, well, we need to order a new one. We need her birth certificate. Oh, I lost it. <laughs> so that became a whole thing. That's great. <clears throat> so um, the packages had also been cleaned with gasoline, which is similar to how her body was cleaned. Um, authorities concluded this had to have come from the killer directly. Uh, they had been able to get partial prints and then sent them off for testing. But when they arrived, it was discovered the prints had been compromised in transit. So nothing was able to happen there. So unfortunately, nothing could be tested. Um, that wasn't all, though. The same day the packages were discovered, a big black bag with black suede shoes inside had also been reported. Um, they were sitting on top of a trash can two miles from the crime scene. And when they were retrieved, the police um, had noticed they had also had been wiped down with gasoline. Thus, no fingerprints or anything would be um, traceable. Um, and over the course of the entire investigation of the Black Dahlia, 400 sheriff's deputies and 200 California state troopers, uh, I'm sorry, 250 California state patrol officers, among other inter others, uh, totaled a total of 750 investigators had worked on this case. Good God. Mm -hmm. um, as I said before, they interviewed over 150 men in a few weeks, within a few weeks of her death. Um, as potential suspects, none being brought forward as the perpetrator. City Councilman Lloyd Davis offered a $10,000 reward, which today would be roughly $120,000. The decent amount. Yeah, right. Uh, to any leads that would lead police to Elizabeth Killer, which went unheard. Um, because of this, dozens of people decided to come forward claiming to be the killer um, themselves, which we've seen happen in the past. Um, unfortunately, there, a lot of their stuff would be dismissed and their confessions would be turned away. Um, but here are a few named suspects that were on top of the police list. So there was Mark Hansen, the married boyfriend. He was the owner of the address book, which I had mentioned, because according to a friend, Elizabeth rejected sexual advances made by Mark recently. Um, neighbor of mine. There's, is that the one you don't see? Yeah. Oh, she exists. Shit, that's the one I put her mail under her thing. She's a plant lady. Remember, we see plants in her window. Mm. Oh, yeah, we do see plants in her window. Well, oh, she's on a demon. She exists. I mean, don't be so short. She has plants. She could be a vampire. She has plants. What the fuck? 
But anyway. Oh, my trash got picked up. Thank you, trash people. So wisely at 734. Um, I'm sorry, Manly. Was the married boyfriend? Was that the married boyfriend? It doesn't matter. I'm thinking of getting people confused. Anyway, so Mark Hansen, I don't think was a boyfriend. I could have been saying that wrong this entire time. But he was the owner of this address book. And a friend came forward and said that she had rejected sexual advances from him. Um, and it was also confirmed that the black bag that had the black shoes belonged to Mark. So I know, right? Mm. I know. It can also be a little bit of a reach considering they were two miles away from the crime scene. But what makes it weird is they were found the exact same day that those packages were received. Yeah, but also with the whole gasoline thing. But also, did they say that to the media so the media knew kind of thing? I don't know. Because that could be too. So it's like if you divulge too much information to the media, like people like that would try to skew and mm -hmm. fuck up the investigation. Mm -hmm. However, even though all this was coming forward, he would be cleared as a suspect. So he would not be, um, he would be cleared. It's fine. Manly, the cheating. Yeah, that was the one. It's not, it says not manly to cheat on your spouse. Yeah. Um. So manly, her married boyfriend, he was cleared after passing multiple polygraphs because we know that polygraphs never lie. And you can't cheat a polygraph. Is that sarcasm? Yes. Okay. I'm not stupid. That's why polygraphs are not admissible in court, okay? <laughs> There's no proof to polygraphs, but I guess in 1947, it was fine. So they say he's not a suspect because of that. Then there was a man named Martin Lewis. He was one of the names in Mark's address book, um, but he was in Portland, Oregon at the time, so he was no longer a suspect. And then they ruled out all of the military men at Camp Cook as they were overseas at the time of her murder. Every single Every single one of them? At Camp Cook. Wow. I know, right? So the place is just deserted. I guess. I mean, anyone who was at Camp Cook was apparently overseas at the time. Um, they also ruled out her dad as a sound because he was at work at the shipyard. That doesn't rule somebody out, though. I know it is a polygraph, but here we are. <laughs> it's 1947. Yeah. I mean, like, okay, so we've seen, I mean, how many cases where it's like someone can be at work, but then they leave for like the like a break they punch right they punch the thing they never punch out yeah here's my thing what does the dad have to gain from killing his daughter that's my thing it's nothing unless it's just like it's purely like a rage thing which i mean it, this went way overboard beyond rage right and like she left a long time before like at minimum she was gone seven months before if if not like that's the bare bare minimum yeah like if she spent six months in socal and then before that, she was like a camp cook and somewhere else. Like, eh. Yeah, he's over it by now. Right. Um, so now we're going to talk about the media and some theories. Okay. So due to the severity of the mutilation of her body, news of her murder spread like wildfire across California, right? Like it's the 1940s. This shit doesn't happen. Um, once her identity was discovered, you would think the police would immediately call her next of kin, her mother, right? Mm -hmm. They would call Phoebe. No, that's not what happened. Um, before the police could even reach out to Phoebe, um, a couple of reporters from the Williams Rudolph Hearst's Los Angeles Examiner, Christ, that was long, they called her. And they said to Phoebe that Elizabeth had won a beauty pageant. They're like, oh my God, congratulations, John, I won a beauty pageant. And she was like, oh my God, my dad, I won a beauty pageant, right? Um, and over the course of this conversation, they deceived and they lied to Phoebe and they convinced her and tricked her into telling them all this information about Elizabeth. She told them so much about her daughter, um, as much as they could possibly get before. Once they got everything they wanted, then they were like, oh, hey, by the way, your daughter didn't actually win a beauty contest. She was murdered. Okay, thanks. Bye. It's just the way you said it. That's the reason why I'm laughing. Like, how fucked? That is so fucked. Like, there's, there's no shame. Zero shame. And they were like, we're going to make you think that your daughter's doing great things out here. And then we're going to... JK, she's dead. Yeah, JK, she's dead. Oh, by the way, we'll fly you out here. Like, all expense paid. So you can help with the investigation. How's that sound? It's a win-win, right? The only the only kind is, like, you have to, like, tell us everything. Like... I'm sorry, what? And then people wonder why reporters get so much hate. <laughs> yeah. Like, 
fuck man like today like that would not be allowed like sorry kick that it's all right to like in today's age like people get fired for doing that kind of show you can't legally do that now um but yeah they they did this um she would not i mean she actually would take the invitation she actually would come out to california to help with the investigation and the police were like look you don't don't tell them anything so the police were actually like phoebe please don't like tell them anything like it's going to compromise the investigation like it's not going to help it's yeah. going to hurt um and she she actually does listen and you know then they're like well, we're going to take back what we thought and so she ends up flying back home so she goes there to help and the police convince her against helping the, the press and then the press get mad their feelings are all hurt because she didn't like their lie and she ends up going back home and then she becomes super against helping anybody yeah like she doesn't want to help anybody let alone like she doesn't trust anybody she doesn't want to help anybody um, i mean this woman's trust has been annihilated i mean look at what her ex-husband did yeah. her dead husband and so she's like, I'm fucking like, I I need to mourn my daughter. Like, at least let her like mourn the death of her fucking daughter. Yeah. You know? So two months later on March 14th, um, a beach caretaker found a pile of clothes um, just kind of chilling that consisted of a coat, blue trousers, a brown and white t-shirt, white jockey shorts, tan socks, and size 8 tan moccasins. Um, and tucked inside one of the shoes was a small piece of paper with the following suicide note. End of quote. To whom it may concern, I have waited for the police to capture me for the Black, Dah the Black Dahlia killing, but have not. I am too much of a coward to turn myself in, so this is the best way for this is the best way out for me. I couldn't help myself for that uh, or this. Sorry, Mary. And that's the end of it. I don't know who Mary is. We still don't know who Mary is to this day. I mean, we can, if this is a real suicide note, we could assume Mary's a love interest, a family member. Yeah. That's the only thing that would make sense to me. I don't know who the fuck Mary is. Um, but we actually will never know who that belonged to, if it was real at all. Like, it could have just been staged for all we know, you know? Yeah, I mean, that seems, like, awfully odd, too. I mean, I if I came across a pile of clothes on the beach, I would just toss on, it. On the beach? Like, do you know how hard it is to drown yourself? Yeah. Like voluntarily drowning yourself is very difficult. Yeah, your body's like, I'm gonna fight this. To it's a fight or fight response. Yeah. yeah. Like it's easy to set yourself on fire. I'm not saying do it. I'm just saying it's easy to do it. So once reporters got her case in their claws, um, she was given the name the Black Dahlia. Um, and this was actually inspired by a murder mystery film noir, because we're in the film of noir, titled The Blue Dahlia that came out the year before being 1946. So, you know, recently her she blows up to be the Black Dahlia. One article changed, this is where I get really upset. So one article in some fucking newspaper changes her entire outfit that she was wearing on the last day that she was seen, right? Which it shouldn't matter to begin with, but here we are, right? Um, the last time she was seen, she was in a black tailored suit. Okay, like bad bitch, right? Yeah. So this is like her actual outfit. Yeah. This yeah. the last thing she was seen was a black fucking tailored suit. And I like her. Here, I know me too. Here's what this fucking news article decided to change everything about her to. They changed her outfit, and so that she was actually wearing quote a tight skirt and sheer blouse. Oh fuck off! I know. So they. They also portrayed her as, quote, an adventuress who prowled Hollywood Boulevard and that the murder was a, quote, sex-fueled sex -fueled slang. So all in all, it wasn't enough that, like, her mom was manipulated into telling them everything about Elizabeth. Um, and th they had to, like, turn around and just, like, strip every ounce of her identity and who she really was and tear her down and basically say she was a sex worker. And that, like, well, because she, this is what she does. Yeah, and this is what she's wearing, so she deserved it, right? Right, which it shouldn't fucking matter what anybody is wearing. Like, mm -hmm. I don't care if it was 1945, I don't care if it was 1946. What you wear does not give anybody the right to attack you. No. Male, woman, child, old, young, doesn't matter. So it just, it's also, it's infuriating that they only, like, they changed everything about what she wore. They changed everything about what she did. She was never known to be a sex worker. She was an aspiring actress who worked as a waitress. Sure, she dated the wrong men, but we're not going to talk about that, are we? <laughs> we're not. 
<laughs> yeah, no. Anyway, um, so oh, might as well. All right, so we're back. Uh, I know. So here are some theories now. Mm -hmm. right? Um, so besides her reputation and her identity and who she was was ran through the mud. Here are the theories about who they think killed her. So it's theorized Elizabeth could have been the victim of the Cleveland torso murderer. Um, but there was no tangible evidence to link the two. Please tell me you're going to do that at some point. I obviously I have to now. Right. Yes. So oh, that name, though, <laughs> I know. Right. Um, while there's no evidence to link the two, uh, his victims were decapitated and homeless, which Elizabeth was neither decapitated nor she was she homeless. She actually had a status in Los Angeles. People actually knew who she was. Mm -hmm. Um, and so she just actually really wasn't in his MO, but in, in, you know, people like, well, she also died 10 years after his last murder, but some say he relocated to California and she would inevitably be his first and last victim in California. So that's the theory of her being tied to him. There was a man named George Hodel, who was also a suspect. Um, and George Hodel was actually a very powerful man in California. Um, and his son, Steve Hodel, actually made it his life's mission to prove that his father was her murderer. Weird. It's wild, man. So here's, there's, I feel like I, this is the story that I heard. Yeah, there's a documentary about him. Yeah. It's so fucking good. So... Here's here's his point on Elizabeth's murder, right? He points that his father was had surgical training. So he's like, he had surgical training. Not only did he have a lot of money and influence and power, um, it also came out that George had been the main suspect all along in her entire case. And in 2003, it came out that back in 1949, officers convinced of George's guilt snuck into his home and wiretapped his house illegally you can't do that no <laughs> and while it's like thank you for caring right they you can't really do much with that but here's unfortunately they couldn't use that against him in court because they did it illegally but some of the most damning the damning recorded evidence against george is as follows and i quote realized there was nothing i could do but I mean, put a pillow over her head and cover her with a blanket, get a taxi, expired 12.59. They thought there was something fishy. Anyway, now they may have figured it out, killed her, end quote. Also, quote, supposing I did kill the Black Dahlia, they couldn't prove it now. They can't take, they can't talk to my secretary because she's dead. They thought there was something fishy. Anyway, now they may have figured it out, killed her, Maybe I did kill my secretary. End quote. Fuck. Wait. Right. Right. Like, right. So random. I know. It's a little tooth of fish. Yeah. Um, I do have my notes here that there's a fabulous two-part episode on just George Hodel being the Black Dahlia murder on the podcast called Medical Murders. You should totally listen to it if you think he's the killer, which I think he is too. Because his son also does say in this documentary that like his dad um, would have these big like, I guess like orgy type parties, big like sex field parties. And, um, you know, there was a lot of like BDSM type stuff happening in there and like secret rooms and women being brought in. And he knew Elizabeth before she died and this, that, which way or whatever. And he goes into all this detail. Um, and this podcast is a fabulous job of covering it. So definitely listen to medical murders. Um, another theory was regarding the previously mentioned Mark Hansen the name on the address book. Um, not only him, but the accomplice of a mortician's assistant that had then become a bellhop by the name of Leslie Dillon. Hmm. Convenient, right? Mm -hmm. It said that Mark, um, during this time, had friends in the LAPD. But during this time in California, the LAPD was known to be riddled with corruption. Shocking. Yeah. And so Mark had tons of connections and friends, um, and he was also the owner of numerous nightclubs, um, and he was associated with criminals and the underworld and all the stark shit. Um, so it was convenient for him to have some police, right? And mm -hmm. okay. 
So there was also a hotel close to where Elizabeth's body was found. And the owner of this hotel told the police that she was there for actually two or three days. And one day she was just gone. And when they went into the room to clean it, it was covered in blood and feces. Okay, and don't report it. I'm going to get to that, which would, you know, give some credit to the fact that fecal matter was found in her stomach during the autopsy. But that's what I said, like, why didn't you come forward when you found a room covered in, I mean, I know it's LA, but she, shit. Literally, literally shit. <laughs> um, it is LA, but God, the yeah. blood. So it's like, the, the shitty part is by the time the police got there, all that was gone. Like, you know, they claimed that they were scared. They didn't know what to do. You know, they knew Mark, blah, 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 blah. So there was nothing left by the time the police got there based off of this claim. So this is literally just a... Also, I'm wondering too, though, like, logically speaking, is like, was that fecal component, like, discussed in the public? Or was that something that, like, the public didn't know about? So the fact that they said that... They probably knew. I mean, I don't know. That's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking. Too. Yeah, I'm like, like that's kind of important too, though. Like, if that's not something that the public knew about, like that's kind of key. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, did they say that that was was in her body? You mm, know what I mean? Yeah. So there was a lot of discredit to that because it was like, if you saw that, why didn't you call us to yeah. begin with? Um. So there was a lot of that. Um. And again, it would, like I said before, it would make sense to state that she like was forced to eat fecal matter and that we all know she was murdered someplace else before she was staged, blah, blah, blah. Um, and again, there's more on this specific theory of Mark Hansen um, and this bellhop on Murders in America, which is a fantastic podcast. So definitely check that one out. Um, so they really go in depth with this Mark Hansen side of things. So those are some of the big theories going around. And there's a fuck ton more. I just, like, there is a Reddit rabbit hole mm. that you can just go down for the Black Dahlia and, like, all these different kinds of theories. So I, I just didn't have it in me. These were just some of kind of the biggest ones that tied into the story that I mentioned. So the aftermath of her murder. Uh, in the spring of 1947, her case had gone cold by that point. A grand jury in 1949 discussed the inadequate way, the in inadequate way that the LAPD actually handled the case and many of them um in regard to women and children so it wasn't just her it was like you guys handled shit terribly because you're terrible and you're corrupt um so after that they pursued a more they pursued way more interviews and attempts to investigate further but to no avail nothing would come of it she would finally be put to rest in Mountain View Cemetery in Oakland California um once here comes back Phoebe. Once Phoebe's youngest daughter was married and out of the home, she actually moved to Oakland to be close to Elizabeth's grave. I know. Phoebe needs her own fucking story. Like, we need, need a point of view story of the Black Dahlia murder from Phoebe's point of view. We have Black Dahlia murder yeah. documentaries and movies, but we need one from her perspective from, like, start to finish. Yeah, I'm like, I want to know about, more about her. I know, because Phoebe's the shit. We love Phoebe. <laughs> we love Phoebe so much. Um, so once her daughter moved out, she, she moved to be close to her daughter's grave. Um, so here are some not so fun facts about the case. Um, her murder is cited as one of the most famous unsolved cases in America. Um, it also is one of the oldest unsolved cases in, um, LA County. There's actually a video of a sailor kissing Elizabeth through her car window when World War II ended, which I think is really cool. Um, and because of Elizabeth Short's murder, C. Don Field introduced a bill to form a sex offender registry. This bill passed, and California would be the first state to make the registration of sex offenders mandatory. So Good. there is a silver lining at the yeah. end of this story, unfortunately. Um, it had to come to that, but here we are. Um, there is also so, 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 so much that I said I couldn't cover that I did not even cover, um, in the rabbit holes and the theories and blah, 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 surrounding this case. And even today, almost all of the physical evidence is gone. Um, and there is a theory that Mark's connections to the corrupt LAPD had total something to do with this, especially if he's the one that did it, they yeah. could destroy and ruin and compromise and tamper evidence. Um, 
So yeah, that's the Black Dahlia. So tell us what you think. What are your theories? Was there stuff that we didn't cover, that we didn't talk about, that we didn't consider? Um, let us know in the comments, DM us, email us, blah, 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 that whole shandig. And just like, let us know. With all of that said, what do you think? Let me hear your thoughts on my whodunit. Hmm. I think whoever had that hotel room in that situation is the one that did it. If that was even true. Right. So my thing is, my biggest question is like when that, whoever that person was that came forward about the hotel room and put the feces in the, the blood, I want to know personally is like, was the feces ever discussed in the media? Yes or no? Because that's going to make like, like a huge difference. Because if it was not, then I'm going to think that it's more that person. Okay. Those individuals. If that's not the case, then I'm going to guess the guy that had the sex parties and the medical background. Mm-hmm. But also why, you know? I mean, if I remember correctly, because it's been like a year since I watched this documentary, he talks a lot about his dad. Um, he was a very like authoritarian father. He was, like I said, in these like parties that he had these sex parties there was a lot of bdsm he was not nice to so women. maybe it was just like an un, unsettled like fantasy or whatever uh, right and i you know i can't remember exactly but i feel like you know elizabeth probably shot him down and he doesn't take rejection well like the way he talks about his father is like he's like a he wrote a book about it like he's convinced that his father murdered mm, her yeah, it's like that, that like the the man of power being shot down kind of thing you just don't mm-hmm. do that you don't shoot him down. I don't know if you're some stupid wannabe actress from fucking Boston. Oh, poor Elizabeth. Poor Elizabeth, sure. But we remember her um, and we celebrate the life that she did live. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is my done on the Black Dahlia. So thank you so much for being here and we'll catch you guys on the next one. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Bye.